This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, it's Wednesday, the 20th of December, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C, Anwar Mabo, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. Well, the Dow and Nasdaq closed up 0.7%, while the S&P 500 was up 0.6%. On the Asian front, Nikkei was up 1.4%, Hang Seng was down 0.8%, the Shanghai Composite and STI were both up 0.1%, and our very own FBM KLCI was up 0.4%. Yeah, we aren't doing so badly. But I am confident we will hit 1,500 by year end. Really? So, I don't know. I'm just making it up along the way. Okay. So year to date, KLCI <laughs> is actually down 2%. So we might catch up. We've got, what, five more day, 10 more days? Well, we do have this kind of year end rally occasionally. Yeah. But let's see. You let's know, see. Hope springs eternal. But in the meantime, for some insights on where international markets are heading, we speak to Carlos Casanova, Senior Economist at UBP. Good morning, Carlos. Good to speak to you as usual. Shall we turn our attention to Japan? Because yesterday, the Bank of Japan maintained their ultra-accommodative monetary policy and persisted with their negative rate regime, actually kind of defying expectations that they might raise rates in April. So what are the next steps you expect from Governor Ueda? Good morning. Yes, so we saw Bank of Japan maintaining their um, policy settings on hold, um, and that was expected for December. Um, the reason for that is that they just do not have enough visibility on the inflation front. Remember that, of course, inflation has been very high this year, but that has been driven by um, yen depreciation and not so much by very strong domestic consumption. In, in fact, domestic consumption was more negative than expected in the third quarter. Um, so the Bank of Japan is in this, um, you know, stuck uh, be- between um, you know the sword and, and, a, and, a, and a hard place, um, in the sense that they have inflation, but the drivers of inflation are not sustainable. Um, so the outcome of the meeting was expected. What wasn't expected was the fact that Bank of Japan completely left forward guidance unchanged, um, whereas some of the more hawkish. Um, observers were expecting that Bank of Japan would start to set the stage uh, for a potential um, exit of yield curve control and even its negative interest rate policy as soon as January um, or April next year. Now, we don't think that that is actually likely at all. Um, We've uh, been saying that, you know, we need to know whether the inflation um, expectations are going to be sustainable. Currently, the Bank of Japan forecast is below 2%. So it would be very strange for them not to move up on their forecast first before uh, changing the policy settings. Um, And we didn't get any sort of hints coming out of the December meeting. That means, in my opinion, that um, we will see some Mm, further action on yield curve control in January. Remember that they have been gradually liberalizing yield curve control since since August. So I think um, you know they didn't have a lot of pressure now because global yields have cooled. Um, but if we see a little bit more pressure um, entering the, the new year, that they could formally sort of cancel that one point zero percent upper bound limit that they currently have on ten year yields. Um, but they will have to wait um, until they know for sure. Um, whether this they're calling it a positive um, income inflation spiral <laughs> is going to materialize in 2024. Um, but that what they mean is that they want to see if this exogenous inflationary drive, basically 
right. and depreciation driving inflation through imported prices, whether this is going to trigger a permanent shift in corporate and uh, household consu- uh, behaviors, um, enough to drive sort of a, a, an increase in wages next year that is enough to drive a shift up in consumption and sustainable inflation. Now, there, there are a lot of ifs in that equation, so I, I do think that um, mm-hmm. it remains data dependent and for sure nothing will happen before April or, or June next year. Now, Carlos, help us uh, decipher the mixed economic data points from China. On the one hand, MOM data showed production growth peaking, but retail sales contracting for the first time since July. What does this mean for China's economic outlook for 2024? Yeah, mixed mixed data. So, of course, it means that the recovery remains uneven and quite weak. Um, we would like to see broad-based economic recovery, but it seems that uh, consumption of services continues to lead. Uh, manufacturing is very slowly picking up, but... Um, we are not really seeing, uh, you know, people consuming uh, other goods, and, and sentiment remains quite weak. Um, I would say that the month-on-month contraction is, uh, I mean, not too big. It's like minus zero six percent. Of course, imports were a lot were negative as well, minus zero point five. So that denotes that in a sequ- in sequential terms, consumption was flat. But remember that consumption in October was very large um, due to the big holiday season that took place in China in October. Um, so I am not too worried about that sequential contraction. I'm more worried about the divergence in performance between mm-hmm. sectors than the fact that sales contracted uh, from one month to the other. Um, the very positive reading was a result of base effects because during November last year, um, was after the party congress, and remember that the economy completely slumped after the party congress last last year. Um, so we had a positive base effect. Um, that's why the, the, the number was so high at 10%. I also wouldn't look too much into that. Um, I think what we are observing is a continuation of this trend where sales, retail sales are leading over manufacturing and we want that to change next year or else it will be very difficult for them to even hit um, our growth forecast of 4.5% um, or hit even their growth floor of 4%. Um, uh, if you if you average the growth over the last two years, China is growing at four percent, and that that is clearly not impressive enough. Um, but if this recovery doesn't broaden its base um, and they don't do more stimulus, which clearly they still have to do, um, then we, it will be even difficult to hit that number next year. It's interesting you say clearly they have to do some stimulus, but they've been quite reluctant, right, to pull the trigger there. At what point do you think the data will inform them that hey, I really need to pull that trigger? Mm, yes, that's one of the biggest disappointments for investors. And in fact, you saw the market um, you, you sell off, um, you know, whenever there, there's uh, um, some form of um, hawkish commentary coming out of PBOC, be it because they had the financial conference or they had the December Polybio meeting or more recently with the Central Economic Work Conference. Um, they didn't deliver a big bang of stimulus measures and you saw the market sell off as a result. Um, I think they simply just don't have enough room to do monetary policy easing. Mm. Um, they are concerned about uh, debt issues at local level. Um, the U.S. treasuries have, have cooled somewhat, but of course, uh, everyone's still very scarred from uh, the the most think, spectacular increase in 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 U.S. yields that we've seen in, in many decades. Um, that's triggered a lot of uh, outflows and a lot of created a lot of problems for POC. So they have to be very cautious about how they proceed um, with easing. From the official communication, it seems um, that they're going to prioritize fiscal spending over monetary. Good luck to them. Um, And the reason for that is that they keep drilling this message that uh, M2 growth needs to be in line with nominal GDP. And nominal GDP, according to the IMF, is expected to grow 
around 6% over the next five years. Um, and M2 growth, money growth, credit growth is much higher than that at the moment. It's about uh, 12 or 10% in the case of um, outstanding credit growth. Um, so that entails that at the very least, the monetary stance will be sort of flat next year compared to this year. There will be no acceleration of credit or, or increase in, in money creation. Mm. But the worst case scenario is it might be marginally tighter. Okay, Carlos, um, let's turn our attention to the United States because last week we did see a sudden slide in US Treasury yields following the tone of Federal Reserve that they seem to be more amenable to a rate cut next year. Now, the median forecast for strategies for 10-year Treasuries has fallen to 3.98%. Are you in agreement with them? I am not in disagreement. I think that uh, um, we are likely seeing... uh, Speaking of U.S. rates, there is no point, no, 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 no debate about that. I think the last um, FOMC meeting sort of provided the visibility that we needed in terms of the peaking narrative, um, where I disagree with the market and even the Fed is in terms of the predictions for the rate cuts. Um, FOMC dot plot predicts three rate cuts next year and two in 2025, um, with the market predicting more, um, six rate cuts. But then there tone on the economy was more sanguine and in fact they even revised up their GDP forecast for 2024. So I don't see why you would be cutting rates three times the economy is growing at 1.9% um, in 2024. So I think that um, the, the the sort of rate cut narrative is overdone um, and I don't think we will see as many rate cuts and that's something that the, pri- the market still needs to price. Um, so we would see that likely translating into a pullback in um, US equity performance, mm. perhaps towards the middle of the year um, and also a repricing in, in rates. I mean, we don't think that they will go back to 5%, but we're looking at a range around 4, 4.2. Um, that would be a more reasonable range um, for US tenure yields, um, at least in the first half of next year. All right. Thank you so much for your time. That was Carlos Casanova, Senior Economist at UBP, giving us his views on the major economies around the world, US, China and Japan. Uh, in terms of US, he thinks the strategists are wrong. 3.98% is for 10-year treasuries, way too low. He's looking at about 4 to 4.2%. Uh, that's because he doesn't expect such aggressive rate cuts next year. Mm, I mean, so then the debate is how soft is the soft landing? I think they're trying to engineer that even as we speak. This is the landing that has like doesn't seem to never have, landed. Never landed. <laughs> Look at the US equity market. I mean, okay, yes, we always say equity markets are not the economy, but it's clearly a reflection of it. I cannot help but notice that the Nasdaq is up forty three percent. This does not feel like a market that is in a recession, albeit of course it's the magnificent seven. Well, the Dow Jones is the highest ever. You know, it's fourteen percent up year to date, and S and P five hundred is up twenty five percent year to date. So there's so much exuberance going on over there. So people, traders are actually ignoring the whole, you know, you federal cuts, you know, they just, they just expecting, they expecting what, five, five cuts. But, you know, if you're more conservative point of view, it's going to be three cuts though. Actually, if you ask me why is the US market so strong, it's just that there's a lot of liquidity in the system, despite the fact that there's been 11 rate hikes since the Fed started and the Fed fund rate being 5 to 5.2%. But there's still a lot of liquidity sloshing and it hasn't found a home. It's all about relative, right? And the US equity market is the home that you want to be in. FOMO, FOMO. And we still have a lot of liquidity as a result of all the stimulus that took place during the pandemic. Definitely. Okay, let's quickly look at one of the results that came out last night. Fed X shares fell by nearly 8%. This is after hours, after cutting its full year revenue forecast and reported profit that was below expectation. No thanks to weaker demand. You guys obviously not ordering. Nope. <laughs>
Yeah, because um, yeah, the company now expects a low single-digit percentage decline in revenue from last year versus its prior forecast of roughly flat results. Now, this is second consecutive quarter FedEx has lowered its sales outlook. Adjusting earnings were $3.99 per share, lower than expected $4.19. Well, in my defense, Shawning, I tend to go now more to the physical stores and visit all the shopping malls now because we've got plenty of new shopping malls here. Brick and mortar, are you? Brick and mortar back, I think, is in fashion as I think that's what also is being reflected in FedEx numbers, right, as consumers begin to return to physical stores and also contend with inflation. Sales fell by 2.6% to $22 billion. Analysts were expecting $22.4 billion. But you you know, this stock is actually up 60 over percent on a year-to-date basis. So I'm not surprised there's some pullback, you know, especially if you're actually on a lot of gains in terms of the investment community. Um, somewhat still divided, 21 buys, 15 holds, no sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 294 US dollars. Uh, that still gives you a little bit of upside, but I won't be surprised if we do see more downgrades. Well, up next, we're going to cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.